Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. If you missed any of our Patriots Monday and Friday interviews, go back and listen on the podcast anytime. Just subscribe to Gresham Fourier on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. Now, more of Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Noon straight up. We begin hour three with Gresham Fourier on the Odyssey app. And of course, you go to YouTube. Just type in WEEI live stream. Boom, when it's there, click right on it. You can watch us do this show on YouTube. Joining us on the Harbor One Hotline is Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Patriots Insider. Tom E. is brought to us by Dr. Matthew LaPresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. And by Wise Snacks, no one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Tommy Curran on the Harbor One Hotline. Tom, good afternoon. We could do crunchy, salty, and cheesy right now. Ooh, let's oh. go. Fourier's in all three. I'm in, I'm in for you being, I want this whole interview for you to be just flat out cheesy. Just be as cheesy as you can be with every single oh, answer. God. Okay, try, let's just see if you can do it. I don't think, I don't know. You know I, I, I have inborn, onboard cheesiness at all times. Yeah, so, okay. We're not collaborative enough to determine oh. who's doing what now, for crying out loud. Uh, Tommy, help us understand. Fourier and I have landed on just calling it Offense X for right now, like it's a project. Do you have any idea, intel, or clue as to what kind of offense Gerard Mayo wants to have other than a successful one? I think we're all ruminating on that right now. And what I've landed on is, to borrow a Bill Parcells phrase, you don't know what the groceries are that are going to be laid out on the table. So you don't even know what kind of meal you're going to cook. So if you have Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Kirk Cousins or Caleb Williams, it's going to be a different meal. You don't know because you don't have any tight ends under contract or tackles under contract and you have one running back under contract and you have no high-end wide receiver and you really don't have any proven guards, you're down to the studs. So what you have to figure out in large part is who are our players and then have an adaptable enough offensive coordinator to make whether it is Daniels or May or a free agent quarterback who comes in because you decided to take Marvin Harrison, you have to find out what meal it's going to be then. And you have to have a, an, an OC who is adaptable enough and gives you a vision that says, I can make this work and this work and this work. So, um, you know, one thing I've been uh, that I, I think I'm a little nervous and I'm worried for Mayo. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. why, because uh, I mean, and you know him better than anybody. And his personality is great, right? And you're starting to see it, and it's shining. Even like the interview yesterday with uh, with Greg Hill and, and the crew. And then he starts, in, and then he quotes like, you know, uh, and we got cash to spend. We're going to spend some cash and burn some cash. If you read it, 
it sounds, it reads one way, but if you hear it, you know he's kind of being playful and joking around. I, I have this feeling that people are going to hold him accountable for that quote and kind of maybe misrepresent what he meant or, or hold him accountable if he doesn't spend the cash or if he doesn't get the right guys. I'm just curious your thoughts on the whole experience so far. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a learning curve that he is going to have to conquer in terms of, all right, what are the phrases that I might use as add-ons to a point I'm making or even add-on jokingly that could turn into slogans? Yeah. Burn some cash. Full throttle. It's like to use yeah. it to, to kind of compare it to the Red Sox, well Dom. Like, hey, full throttle. Well, I didn't really. I'm going to push the buttons and pull the levers. Hey, spend some cash. Burn some cash. People think differently yeah, when they hear that. Yeah, and you're going to have to look with any person in a new job who is going from being a very glib player or media personality or person who sits in a Zoom meeting um, and doesn't necessarily have their words parsed in the same way. He's going to have to learn that. And I don't think it was a misstep to say that because they do have to burn some cash. Maybe the choice of words sounds reckless, but nothing's more reckless than spending $60 million combined on Nelson Aguilar, Isaiah Wynn, and Jonu Smith. $60 million on Mm. those three players. Mm. So they do have to spend. (laughs) Hopefully it's less reckless than that. But it's also worth remembering, too, pre-bill, and there's a constant conversation here about where the economic stinginess came from, and it's often attributed to the crafts. Pre-bill, the Patriots had massive contracts to Bledsoe, Armstrong, Coates, McGinnis, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Ted Johnson. They spent. Bill was the one who tightened the strings. Now, when Bill spent, he didn't always spend it in the most judicious ways, especially 2021 being an example, which is why there might be a bit of a change that we're experiencing, which is why there is a change. You know, the guys that he shopped on and spent on didn't work out as he hoped. So they're going to spend, they have to spend, and I think that they will be absolutely willing to spend because they are down to the studs on offense. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here with Gresham Fourier. How are they putting all this together with no GM? Collaboration. Oh, here we go. So that's the... Why do you say here we go? Well, because uh, we we even adapted the, uh, what was it, Mel Gibson, give me back my son, to <laughs> give me back my organization. Because it feels like it's almost like a uh, an order of the... By God, we are doing it different, and we're going to let everybody know. And without a general manager, it leads me to wonder just how much a first-time head coach might be more than willing to listen to Thunder or whomever else is in that role, potentially, in the collaborative efforts of everyone down there. Do you envision an instance in which Robert Kraft is sitting in on an offensive coordinator interview, for instance, which I don't think would be the case by any stretch. They no. could be Wolf, Grow, and Mayo and say, well, what's your vision for, you know, narrow split offense like the Rams use? Do you, do you envision that? 
No, what I envision is Robert Kraft being brought the two finalists, and then uh, that's where maybe he gets his input because that's the way the coaching searches go. My worry is that they're all in the draft room. No one has been given the ultimate power, which means it still lies in the hands of the owners. And if there is a disagreement on number three or a trade or whatever, that's where we end up getting it. A, a An owner vetting a coach when the coaches have vetted them and then he's bringing them to his boss makes sense. What doesn't make mm-hmm. sense is having a spot where – there is the buck stopping on big decisions. And when there isn't anyone in there and there is the feel for some that by God, I'm grabbing back the organization because Bill had it for a while. It allows your mind to run. Yeah. And there's a lot of time to fill. That's why I asked Robert Kraft last week at the very end of the press conference, what's your intention on your involvement in the football? And I don't know if it got, less attention because of the timing, but he specifically answered the question in saying, I'm hiring football people and delegating the football to the football people as we always have. If the results aren't there, then we'll need to make a change. So to me, he kind of addressed it. I cannot possibly envision a point at which they're sitting there saying Drake may or Jaden Daniels. And they say, Robert, your call. I, I just, can't well hold on if it but overriding but if it's collaborative which has been the big word how do you then leave out the two most important people in making what could be a franchise changing decision easy you say you know what it's my funeral i'm taking this guy sorry you hired me to do the job i'm doing the job that's how that's how you do it that's how Christian would do it. That's how all the listeners right now would do it. May May I ask a follow-up? Who would be the Absolutely. one? No, no. Who would be the one saying that, considering no one has been told it is their job to make that decision? It has to be Mayo. It has to be Mayo. You have to take, but as, you're, as, as the point man, as the point of the spear, as it seems to be right now, in lieu of, Elliot Wolf or Matt Groh being the one who was the point of the spear, you're going to sit there as you, me, and Christian would, or again, any of the listeners with two other people would, and say, look, we just spent five months on this. What are we doing? We, we, we understand what we know, so we know now. So let's do this. So you, you cannot, it's not like, I mean, again, we're anticipating or doomsaying this is the scenario where this is going to happen unexpectedly at number three. If you don't know whether to poop or go blind at number three by April 25th, you're all in the wrong business. Yeah, and I'm with you. And I do think whether it's written down, said, or unsaid, the leader of this franchise right now, other than the ownership, is Mayo. So the buck will stop with him. That's that's what I believe. Um Moving forward, though, I am curious, um, um, do you foresee uh, any other staff members leaving? Do you see, uh, you know, uh, like a guy, uh, Mac Jones leaving? Like, what's your view on the, sure. the the guys that are still left in the building? Yeah, for instance, Steve Belichick could be a defensive coordinator candidate. I wonder if Steve said, I'd like to be defensive coordinator and stay here, Gerard. Whatever Bill does, uh, I'm going to stay here. Um, would he immediately become the defensive coordinator? 
or is it Demarcus Covington? Because you know, no formal interview with Steve has been mentioned. I think that that is a question, along with Brian Belichick, that needs to be figured out too. And Bill's situation hangs in the balance as well. So, you know, you need to figure out, and he needs to figure out where does Bill land? Do I want to go there? Do I want to stay here? And he's a candidate to be the defensive coordinator because between Ian Mayo, it's been a good friggin' defense. So that's a question that hangs. Mac Jones. I think that that would be more of a draft time decision that you have to make. You have a free agent period that leads into the draft. Who do you get as a quarterback then? Because you better get one between March and April and figure out, is this a clipboard holder, a bridge guy, or a conceivable starter? And then you have a draft night, say you take Drake May, as Mel Kuyper has at number three, the Patriots taking in his first mock draft. Okay. We're going to move Mac Jones now. We appreciated his efforts. We liked that he worked hard. Didn't work out. Somebody else want him? Sixth? Fifth? Seventh? Anybody? <laughs> so to me, that's that's the most likely scenario. But again, I mean, do you want Mac Jones in the building still with a no. top three rookie, no. a veteran quarterback, and Bailey Zappi, and be four deep? Or do you want to give him an opportunity to restart? I think that he's ready for a change, but willing to stay. But there's a lot of uncertainty on him, and there's a lot of water under the bridge already with his career here in New England. Yeah, it kind of feels like if Mac is on the roster, I know it's not a ton of money, but still it's a couple million bucks, that if if you if you had him, you almost wouldn't have a veteran there. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you're either making the choice, he's the veteran, or you're moving on from him. And it sure as hell seems like it's the latter. Because the way I have definitely been interpreting, especially the the Gerard Mayo comment to Steve Burton, they're kind of leading us to the quarterback lake to drink out of. Do you necessarily yes. see it that way? Yeah, definitely. Most important position on the field. Most important position in some ways in professional sports. And you don't have an answer for it and you're in the position to almost practically have the pick of the litter, and you might not be up there again, it feels like it's the most important position and where they would lean. And here's the interesting thing. Say you bring in Jacoby Brissett. Was Jacoby Brissett definitely better in 2021 and 2022 than Mac Jones? You run a risk, if Mac Jones is there, of him having a better summer than Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, that's the odd thing about him. You've seen him play at a fairly high level, even though I think a lot of people have blocked it out, which I understand. The more recent past is littered with mind-numbing interceptions. But there have been occasions when he's looked really friggin' good on the practice field and on the game field. So you run the risk of having a third quarterback who's better than your other two every time you go out to practice. Which, in theory is what you want, but in practicality, it's wrought with complexions as Tommy just laid out. It's fascinating, too, because it is an asset, a low-cost asset, but there's so much attached to him now as being the millstone that dragged down the greatest coach of all time in many people's views. Is Is there any way for that... To be fixed. I'm curious, like if you were to like to not go to like here. a PR specialist. So okay, so not here, and under any circumstances, you're not fixing his image or his reputation here. No, 
I don't think he can. Yeah. Just I like there are people who he throws he he throws say he throws six touchdowns and then throws a pick and you know at the end of a game people same guy. I've never liked him. I didn't like him yeah. to begin with. He's weak armed and I don't like his face when he gets hurt. Get him <laughs> yeah, out. That, that's that's that was my line. I, I can't I can't stand his face. Wait until those lines start getting used for people that guys like. Uh, you know what I mean? It's the it's the way to dig in on Mac. Tommy, thanks, man. Good chat. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. That was fun. Take care, guys. Right, there we go. There goes uh, Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. That old quarterback thing. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, more Crash and Fourier. On WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. They're kind of leading us to the quarterback lake to drink out of. Do you necessarily yes. see it that way? Yeah, definitely. Most important position on the field. Most important position in some ways in professional sports. And you don't have an answer for it. And you're in the position to almost practically have the pick of the litter. And you might not be up there again. It feels like it's the most important position and where they would lean. Well, if Curran says it, it's got to be right when it comes to the Mayo administration. That was Tom Curran mere moments ago on the, hey, Mayo's leading us to drink out of the quarterback lake in talking about the number three pick, and Curran was all in on it. Did you, uh, what do you, what'd you make of Curran's answer to that? Um, you were a little more open-ended about it than I was. Right away, it was, oh, they're going quarterback, and they've already decided. Well, I know, but, I think and- it's, but I think it's obvious. It's like, that's why I don't, and, and we got into this argument last week. That's why I think it's irrelevant that he said it. Every They're going to grab a quarterback. Now, if they grab a quarterback in free agency, that still doesn't mean that they won't grab a quarterback with a number three pick. That's the thing. Wow, that may throw people that off. Be, that that may throw would- people off. But, again, Man. most quarterback situations, the, the the traditional way of doing it, you grab an older veteran guy, he kind of takes control, and, and then you sit the other guy for, at least for a year. But if they don't get a quarterback, or if, it'll be really obvious. If they, if, the, if they get – I'll just use the Kirk Cousins type of guy, okay. right? Okay. Or compared to Jacoby Brissett. If you bring in Jacoby Brissett, a Brian Hoyer, there's no threat there. This guy's not playing. Those guys aren't playing. Those well, guys are going to start a quarterback. The rookie's going to start a quarterback, and the older guys are going to be there just to kind of like maintain. Well, that's why I brought up if you if Mac Jones is still around, then that is your sort of vested veteran backup, and it just it doesn't seem like you it would really fit. wish you wish that you could keep him. That and that's the thing you just can't keep him in the building. Well, if you, even if you kind of like him, and think about it, if if Mayo thought. Uh, this guy could be functional, let's say. Or that, hey, you know what? We can rehab him. I know how he broke all that kind of stuff. And you add Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three, and then they're still going to be draftable tackles. They're not as sure things as Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu, uh, but they're, they're guys that if you do your homework, especially with a high second-round pick, you can find yourself another starting offensive lineman right there as well, and arguably 
two of those three holes get filled right away in the draft, and you can put those guys in there, and hopefully you've got them for a decade. It just doesn't feel like that's the – with everything down there being collaborative, different, collaborative, different, collaborative, different. Those are like everything we hear coming out of there. I just don't see where Mac Jones would kind of fit with everything. I mean, although, you know what it would do in a way is – I mean, I don't know what kind of window you think Mayo has, but if, if say, the owner in, in the prior administration, there was always the talk that the owner made the pick of Mac Jones – if that were the case and Mayo said, I'll give it a year, he buys himself an extra year by placating the owner then to say, well, you know what? I know you like this guy, Thunder, so maybe, just maybe, let, let's let try to build it without him for a year, knowing that we can repurpose it next year if we want to, and then you end up with the number three pick in the draft, and then everything kind of changes a little bit. But you understand the point is that if they signed a Kirk Cousins even, now you can take the rest of your draft and sort of load up on your positions of need or take some of those picks and slide, say, down two rounds to go get a veteran who might be on the last year of their deal that you might want to bring in and take a chance on, a la Brandon Cooks, whenever he was here and about to get paid. Yeah, the 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 thing that stood out to me was the comment on Steve Belichick when it comes to who else on the staff is leaving, what about some of the other players, and the thing that he said with with uh, Belichick, with Steve Belichick, is, uh, listen, if, if Steve Belichick wanted to be defensive coordinator, he'd be defensive coordinator if he wanted to. Now, it, it seems like he was either doesn't want the smoke, doesn't want the attention, or is literally in a holding pattern. And he says to Gerard, since we have such a good relationship, I'm going to go with my dad, but... Uh, you know, if my dad doesn't get the job or something crazy happens, I I would like you to kind of cut me some slack and keep me on board. I, I feel like, regardless, if Steve Belichick wants a role here, he can have one yeah, under Gerard and I, Mayo. And I think that's Gerard's like, don't worry about it. Uh, you'll coach a position, or we'll find a position for you. You'll make the same amount of money. You'll be my special assistant or assistant head coach. I'll make room it'll for be, you. Type it'll thing. be something that mm-hmm. that has status with it, so people aren't just walking all over you like you're just some chump, right? We got to keep your reputation going. Like you're an important guy in this organization, and you're important to me. So you're going to be the assistant head coach, right? So your name, it'll be your picture, and then you're right, and then I mean, it'll be my picture, then your picture right underneath mine. Okay, coach, assistant head coach. That's a natural pro- progression of things. And then if your dad takes a job, go ahead and take the job. Just go ahead. Like, no worries. You got to take as much time as you want. It feels like the Steve Belichick piece is the least problematic right now. Yeah. I, I would it's say, more well, what of, is the most problematic No, no, it, it's more, oh, offensive coordinator by far. And I do kind of disagree with Kern a little bit. On which part? You have to, you have to have an idea when you're bringing in an offensive coordinator – of what your basic plan is on offense. I don't think you can have this offensive coordinator who's like, well, if I ended up with Caleb Williams, we'll do this. Well, what about everybody around him? Well, if we end up with Jaden Daniels, we'll do this. Again, what about everybody around him? I just don't know. Other than just doing the Mike Tannenbaum theory, which hit a zenith for two years and then tanked considerably in two different places where you just say, I'm going to go get talent. I don't know if all the pieces fit, but I'm just going to go, I'm going to get talent. I'm going to go get this receiver and this tackle and this running back and this guy, and you've got all these pieces. 
where normally you have an offense and then you find the pieces to sort of fit your offense and there is some room for variance. To me, I don't know how you go about free agency where it's, well, if we get this guy or that guy or whatever, we could do this, that, or the other. How do you how do you put together evaluating mid-level free agents or free agents that you want to bring in if it's still kind of up in the air of what direction you could go offensively? I think it, it by then it won't be up in the air. He's going to hire a coach in the next week or two that you will have an offensive coordinator unless he's driving, you know, you know, fishing in the uh, you know, I'm going to the Super Bowl team guys, which I don't think he is. No, I don't think so either. He'll but, have a uh, he'll he'll have a guy but still the same issues exist because the the way Kern kind of made it sound was bring in an offensive coordinator who is, you know, open to this open or to open to adapting that adapting to whatever situation. Like, no, I mean, listen, I I I hate the already preordained. By God, we're taking a quarterback at three, even though they haven't said it. When a guy like Curran rubber stamps sort of the thought on it, it's like, yeah, okay, they've already kind of made their mind up on something like that. So is it? Well, if we get Drake May, we'll do this. If we get Jaden Daniels, we'll do this. What if it ends up being Caleb Williams that falls, and we don't really like the guy? No one's workshop that scenario. I mean, think about it. Say Drake May goes number one and Jaden Daniels goes number two, right? And Caleb Williams is sitting there. And he's the guy where you're like, well, boy, we're saying all this whatnot. We were thinking it'd be Jaden Daniels who'd be there. And you end up with that guy. And your evaluation of him is not great. But you've told the world you're taking a quarterback. And in the mind of most fans, the best one would be right there for number three. And say you either trade out, look away, or do whatever because you're like, yeah. I don't like I don't like his jib or whatnot. That's uh, how's that not a realistic scenario where then Mayo's just taking the eggs and cracking them on his face. <laughs> I mean, like that's where the that's where the it feels like there's some cart before the horse kind of stuff going on right now. And a I little just, bit. I just don't know. Like, let me ask you this: If you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, and you do have an offensive coordinator, what do you look for at tight end? You're left with just go get the best guy, which might cost a bunch of money, and it also likely means Hunter Henry's coming back. Now, how many people are going to go, mm, mm, i hold my nose. Hunter Henry is terrible when he was here. i hold my nose. That stinks. I, I, I don't – I look at it as uh, I would say Hunter Henry is staying. They got cash to burn. They're going to have to draft a tight end or bring in another guy. There I would is. say find mm. – Find a young tight end and start developing him while Hunter Henry is still available. Well, you have Farrell Brown to be the third guy. So, in theory, if you have Henry come back, you'll probably get a Sokol type just to have around. But then your young guy, like yeah. you're talking about, is probably in this year's draft class. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, I, I can't believe they haven't. Farrell Brown is a, is a fine because he's he's not a number one, but he's definitely a guy that you could easily see being lined up in a too tight situation of some kind. Uh, I know we did some uh, mocking a little bit earlier. Yeah. I'm on a tankathon. I was just looking at some of the, the picks and stuff that the Patriots own. Here is uh, here's their mock. This is going to be very unexciting for a lot of people. Jaden Daniels, number three. With the 34th pick, it would be Xavier Leggett, wide receiver, South Carolina. And then at 68, according to the tankathon mock draft, that would be the high third-round pick would go to defensive lineman Rook or Horo mm. from Clemson. 
Okay. Man, they are they get when they get way deep into the third round and stuff like that, I'm like, you have no freaking clue. Um, you know it's interesting. I I think third and fourth rounders compared to five, six, and sevens sort of stand out in their own different way. Here's it's interesting. Bill Belichick's draft strategy was to try to take grand slam swings in the second round. If you really go back and look at that's that, where the value was. Well, yeah, yeah, like the Gronks of the world, yeah. people, right? Like if Gronk, if Gronk's back acted up, he would just be another second round pick that didn't work, like a Bethel Johnson, right? And Bethel Johnson at least was a you know kick returner, farted around the league for four years or something like that, right? Uh, but that to me is where he took the Flyers. I think. What a lot of teams do is it's now your third and fourth rounders are your flyers and probably more your fourth rounders because you can get a bunch of those. Everybody trades those fourth rounders like crazy. That's where you take your shots. Five, six, and seven to me become real home run picks or draft and stashes or that's where you take your currency and you go pick off a veteran or two. And that, to me, is something that Bill Belichick used to do relatively well. Go get me the veteran for not a lot, and, hey, I get a year out of him or something like that. I wonder where the strategy kind of goes in the draft. Where does the collaboration down there land on sort of, like, do they look at the second round and say, man, it's a high second rounder. It's like getting a first-round pick. Do we take a big swing here with this and try to get somebody that can really be a franchise changer, but... If they come in and they got an injury history or whatever and it flops, it kind of looks bad. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of the, the current uh, interview real quickly is when, like, the, a lot of people are doing the whole comparison before Bill, after Bill, uh, how low, like, how they rank as far as spending over the last 10 years. Mike Reese had a, had a bunch of information about cash spending. And um, please, please bring that up when you're done with this. No, no, I'm just curious. Like, is he cheap, or is it just camouflage? Does he add- spend money? Does he spend to the to the to the ceiling, or hey. is he a miser? Hey. And if he is a miser, why is he a miser? We're will we'll, uh, there will be those who will look back a decade on the whole cash spending, right? So let me ask you this, Fourier. Where do you land? Very simple question. Did Tom Brady take less money when he played here? Yes or no? Um, the word is that he did. Okay. Do you believe that? Not really. Was he was Tom Brady being paid <laughs> market value? No. Okay. He was never well, he only once so, or twice so in his career. Where do you spend the most amount of real cash every year by position? I'll save everybody unless it is the individual year in which you go out and buy the player where you give them, say, a $40 million bonus. It's a quarterback. So we laud the organization for at the most expensive position, finding a way to do some sort of wizardly way with Brady or whatever to get the guy to work cheap. And now we turn around and talk about the cash spending. So we can talk about the cash spending with the Red Sox, but not the Patriots. It's a completely different deal. But I think it's well, if you if you break it down to as simple as form, it is why don't you spend money 
why don't you spend money? If I told you that over the last 10 years, the Patriots ranked last in the NFL in cash spending at mm-hmm. $1.62 billion. Mm-hmm. This is according to uh, no, this, I is, know. this is Mike Reese. Let me finish. Okay, you can, you can jump as ugly as you want to. Okay, according to ESPN roster management system, proprietary. Oh, boy. Proprietary. Oh, boy. Okay, trademark. Right. Okay, and the Philadelphia Eagles at $1.92 billion were tops in the league over that span. Go ahead. Uh, I would say evaluate the amount of cash those two teams and other teams were paying their quarterbacks every year. And there is no direct correlation to the money being spent in any individual year, meaning that you are guaranteed to have success. Um, and in football, I mean, now you sound like John Henry. No, but you sound uh, like Tom Warner no. and Sam Kennedy. How I didn't use a baseball like, analogy like at they all. Said, they said the same thing. Oh, really? They talked about how much the Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks no, got paid over a ten-year period. They, they talked about they what they did talk about was how you got a little feisty there. I can well, feel because that. No, because you make no they, sense. No, did they not, or did they not talk about how? How much money you spend isn't necessarily a guarantee for whether you win or not. Absolutely. That is what they said. No, that and is that's true. the same thing. But in where where is it in football? So I can do the same thing to you if I want to. Don't you change your tone with me, young man. The fact is that no, like, but why no, is but- it why is it not a real thing? Like if, if it's all imagination land, Be- like if, if you're gonna rip if if you're gonna bring up ESPN's proprietary roster management system. Okay? And I think it's like Okay, fine. Like, is it just honest to God? Because I've talked to Bill about this. Other people have talked to Bill about this, and he always gets angry because people don't really get how it works uh, to him. Okay, but I'm just if I'm looking for a number, I'm going to see a number. Are you spending money? You're not spending money, whether it's on the quarterback or not. Why do I care? Well, because the quarterback is where you're spending the most of your money, therefore inflating the real money you're spending in any given year. Look at what happens with Patrick Mahomes every year. They rework his quarter. They work his rework his contract every year, and it normally is like, oh, here's your bonus, and then let's spread this thing out and kick it down the road. So that affects your cash spending year to year if you're giving those kind of bonuses. Here's the other thing too. Here's the difference between the between the Patriots and the Red Sox, and I was going to get to it before you jumped ugly with well, me. Well, you started it. Is that <laughs> there's one guy who's been making the decisions in Foxborough. Who is not the owner? The person making the decisions on not spending money here is the owner. And when you have one who goes out full throttle and then has to literally cut his foot off and shove it in his mouth and swallow it again because he went and said that, there's a big difference between why are they grabbing back their organization down there? Because that big mean czar and Bill Belichick got all the power and then he did what he did. Now it's making us look bad, so let's turn around and spend some money. Whereas the Red Sox, John Henry, and crew are making the conscious decision. And there's no phony bull. Well, I was going to say no phony baloney cap, but at least there isn't the overage that you would get if you spend a bunch of money and then you lose in baseball. I think there's your real difference right there. Do you think Robert Kraft has looked at Bill and been like, hey, if you want to go spend on this guy, you can. Or Robert was down there handcuffing everyone the way it seems to be. People trying to do their job over at Fenway are handcuffed. See, I, I know we're running late, but I see it so differently when I think of the, the, the mentality that Bill had with the value picks at number two, three, four, and five, right? Uh, as opposed to the number one pick. And he he was afforded a safety net based on 
who he had at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he was allowed to miss as as wildly as he as he needed to because Brady was always going to his free get out of jail free card. Yep. And any other owner would say, "All right, listen." Um, and and Mayo says it. He compares all these other teams because they're talented. They have talent. You have to pay for talent. If and then you can pay for uh, Juju Smith Schuster, Johnu Smith. Um, on paper, they probably all looked like great decisions. None of them worked out. And you can you can you can rip him for spending. They, he was willing to spend the money, but it was who he spent the money on. There you go. So on one way. And even with the even with the Patriots and the Red Sox, I'm like, if Kraft really was sick of it, he would have he would have went down there and says, I have all this money. I'm willing to spend as much as possible. Why won't you spend it? Right. That was my original question to you. Is he just a cheap GM slash head coach, Bill Belichick? Mm-hmm. Or if, I just feel like he's just cheap for being cheap sake. No, I feel and that's like a yeah. natural. That's a that is a well-known issue with him is no spending doubt. money. I, just I ask get, all the players. Hey, you know what we might find out? We might find out that Kraft is willing to spend like a bunch of other dopey owners and get yourself into more problems. See, that Maybe, that to me is what I think. I don't think you're ever, he'll ever have the triple D, but he's probably at risk of being that at, Right now, more than any other time in his career Desperate as an owner. dumb. He's just like, now look, I, nobody's telling me not to do it. Bingo. We worked it out. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, no, this is going to be the fun of talking about <laughs> uh, the draft and putting together the coaching staff and all that stuff. And the lighter side of sports is next. Time now for the lighter side of sports. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss on Crash and Fourier. Side of sports brought to you by Awake 180 Weight Loss. It's time for you to do a uh, 180 with your weight. Hit up my friends at Awaken 180 Weight Loss today. Go to Awaken 180 Weight Loss.com or 844-346-1800. Lighter side today is not Christian and I uh, getting after it over the draft and stuff like that. This is going to be a ton of of fun getting ready for the draft and all that. I'm going to go to the world of wrestling because Christian... I really think the WWE is the closest thing to the National Football League when it comes to television. So apparently 50 million people watched the uh, Bills-Chiefs game. Sure, there's some Taylor Swift buzz in there. There's no question. But today, the WWE announced that for professional wrestling, Netflix is going to pay the WWE $5 billion over 10 years. So, what do you think about this? In 2025, WWE is pulling an NFL. The NFL is in with every network. They're in with streaming companies and all that, right? WWE is going to get... $500 $500 million a year for Monday Night Raw. They're going to get about $285 million a year for SmackDown on USA Network. And their third show is going to get $25 million from the CW. So to produce about, eh, let's say, I'll, I'll, I'll overestimate it, 350 television shows 
over a couple different brands on different networks. The WWE every year will be pulling in over $800 million in just domestic television money. They are the entertainment version of the NFL. Your thoughts? So I, 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 was, I saw The Rock on like first take on CNBC. I, I was curious of what the hell he was doing. He got named to the board of directors of Endeavor, joining Jonathan Kraft, among others. And what is Endeavor? Endeavor is the company that now owns UFC and WWE. Okay. Sorry, it's not Endeavor. He is on the board of, I do believe, it might be Endeavor, but TKO is the spinoff company that is WWE and UFC for Endeavor. It's actually publicly traded. It's around 95 bucks right now because WWE was a public company, whereas UFC okay, wasn't. Because, so, so I get this right. So, um... All your weekly wrestling content yep. will now be streaming on Netflix, which you will have to buy a subscription to. So Netflix gets Monday Night Raw. Yep. USA Network will get Friday Night SmackDown next year. And that relationship with Peacock, by the way. So the WWE can still take their whole digital side of what they do. And go put that somewhere else other than Peacock if they want see, to, I do the, believe. The, the, see, this is my fear for the NFL, that uh, what the NFL has slowly been doing is testing the willingness of its fans to do things that they normally wouldn't do. Yes. They're so addicted to the product, and gambling has added to their addiction that they can literally convince them to do anything. It's almost like they're hypnotized, mm -hmm. but they're actually addicted. It's like their version of crack, and they cannot quit it. So, hey, I'm going to have a playoff game on Peacock. I'm going to tease you a little bit with a QR code, and, and then I'm going to threaten to take it away in like three minutes because I'm going to have a countdown at the bottom of it. And the only way you're going to be able to watch it is if you purchase a subscription. Pro this is my fear when it comes to the NFL is that all these games are going to be on some streaming service that you'll be forced to buy. You landed right where we needed to, friend, because you're right. I think what this WWE deal does is it signals, hey, people will follow your brand. I know there are those who are just like, ah, it's wrestling, whatever, okay? But guess what? Monday Night Raw has gotten two and a half million viewers consistently as the longest running episodic show on television. Laugh all you want at what the content is. People have been watching that content for 30 years on like Monday Night Raw and the audience is so strong they can go to the streaming service exclusively and there will be people who will complain, but they already went through it with Peacock. Like the NFL has kind of crossed that bridge a little bit with Amazon, but wait until you hear, like WrestleMania, it's $99.99 on pay-per-view for the Super Bowl. Now, it devalues your television contract, so you better hope you're getting, you know, however many tens of millions of buys to be able to make it worth it to kind of cut your nose off. But this is the first, this is one of the first steps of these companies now starting to look that way. I mean, I just Googled this real quick for the NHL. Disney is paying the league $400 million for their television rights. And apparently Turner, it was $225 billion. The NHL concluded a 10-year contract with NBC that paid $2 billion 
or $200 million, and those numbers are going up. But it goes to show, again, yes, it's wrestling, but you know what? They're doing as much or more television money than the freaking NHL. Well, I would what say that. What does that tell uh, you about where everything is going for us as consumers? Yeah, no, I would, uh, and I would say the fan base is, I would say the the closest thing to an NFL fan base wrestling as opposed to like wrestling in basketball, wrestling in hockey. They seem to be cut from the same cloth for the most part. But I would say like NBC, CBS, they they got to get off their ass and, and, and maybe they don't care. Maybe Paramount Plus is going to end up streaming something soon. Yep. Maybe Jared, Hulu is going to, you know, because they're all getting in on it. I think it's that, not going anywhere. I, I think that Kansas City playoff game that did $50 million was also streamed on Paramount Plus as well on the over – as well as over of, the air. A lot of the games had two ways to watch it. Yeah. It was either national TV or whatever or the streaming service. They're slowly they're slowly doing a Jedi mind trick on all of us. And in 10 years, we won't even think about having the high-def antenna as a backup like I do for my TVs or something like that to like pull in a game if I want to watch something else on cable. We're... This is the, the I'm trying to cut the cords and the cords won't leave. No, the problem is it's is that more the more expensive to not cut it. Bingo. I know. Yeah, you're getting to the point now to where it's almost worth it because like I get like 20 bucks. You're going to pay 20 bucks a month to watch Raw every Monday. Um, I'm that's what they're banking on. And you know what? Eventually WWE will be like, "Yeah, we're going to charge you 65 bucks for WrestleMania and people will buy no, it." No, you know what the ultimate the old and I'm worried I'm curious how this would play out. It would play off probably pretty profitable. Like you mentioned, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl becoming like a heavyweight championship fight yeah. where it is pay-per-view. It's only a matter of time. It is. I, I, but I'm curious, like, but wouldn't a network sit there and say, well, you know, because then you don't have commercials, right? Because if you're charging people, would you double dip and also have commercials? Because with like a fight or something like that, you're not having commercials. I'm paying to not have commercials or no you're still you're just paying for the right to watch it, but we're still yep. going to slide in mm-hmm. commercials. So therefore, we are literally double dipping, and that is what is starting to happen now. Oh, where Netflix they doubled the price yep. and the old base value. You can get ads, but you don't get everything on it still. Or you can pay twenty bucks and you can get what you used to have on a UFC pay per view. They'll slide in a thirty second commercial in there, or a promo for a movie, or something like that. Yeah, it's now getting to the point to where it was. Well, if you stream, there were no commercials. That's as antiquated See, as having bunny ears on the top of your house. You there's know? there's this app. I don't even know what it's called, but it's like you, you, you can throw all your uh, your streaming services. What they do is they do a whole cleansing of all the stuff that you're yeah. paying for monthly. So I did it. I forgot what it was called. And I literally had so many streaming services that I didn't even know about. I didn't even remember, uh, you know, uh, uh, memberships to this. Yeah, jelly of the month club to that Pornhub. I mean, yeah, uh, no, no, uh, only inside information for me. (laughs) (laughs) Only industry standards for me. Oh my god, we're screwed. We're literally screwed. You know that? Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah, brother. It is. I mean, it is, and not in a Pornhub kind of way. No, no, no. It's a train rolling down the track. Well, a little bit earlier, we talked about. uh, We definitely got in on Steve Belichick and the defense and. You heard Tom Curran and what he said about the offense. Uh, Some of the names connected are interesting. For you and I will get into that with you. Final hour starts next. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. 
Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.